Do you believe in miracles? We got Fizzle in the house. Fizzle, what what's up, Fizzle? good, man? Fizzle, glad to have you here. Let's go. This the South Harmon Podcast. Glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Dynasty best ball, that's my favorite way. 40 chess trade show, let's make a trade today or check the AMA. You know Adam at the ATM. Mike always in the building, he gon' stay with him. They gon' start every show off with their own trade. Fantasy's a big ocean, they made their own wave. Make sure you tap in at Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesday night, Saturday morning, ain't no better way. Hit that notification bell when the news break. Go subscribe right now, don't get the news late. Destination Devi, that's the team. Dynasty football, man, that's my favorite thing. I remember Biggie said it was all a dream. Now people watching on their phones and computer screens. Welcome to the team. Welcome back into the 40 Chess Dynasty Trade Show. As you can tell, Mike is not here, but Mike is also here. <laughs> Mike, our Mike, is on vacation. He's working nights, but we got Mike Lou in the building. If you don't know who Mike Lou is, this is one of the OGs, one of the goats in my personal opinion. One of the guys I started watching, part of the reason Mike and I do content. Uh, you may have caught him on BDGE, Bunk Bed Breakdowns back in the day with Noah, Market Watch Mondays, whatever it may have been. We got him to come out of retirement. It's like a Marshawn Lynch deal. You know, he had to sneak the, the shoes up, but we had to get him back. Um, see if we could get one last show out of him. So, Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Uh, happy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for the kind words. Uh, I'm always I'm always usually like very excited to see like new content creators kind of pop into the space. Uh, I remember when I, you know, before I retired um, and hung up the cleats, it was getting a little too like old for me. Like it wasn't like, you know, any more fresh content. So I'm always excited to see new people join the space, especially like, you know, more on the strategy side. That's always been like kind of my bread and butter and what I was most, most interested in. So, you know, kind of glad to see uh, folks like you, you know, kind of carry the torch and keep it going. Uh, even though even though I'm not creating content anymore, I'm still playing fantasy. I'm still keeping up with football. I still you know love that sport. I always will. So it's been good. Absolutely, man. Yeah, um, I know. I know you're playing in a bunch of leagues. So even though you haven't done content lately, um, I know that you're going to have actionable advice for people. And this is pretty much a strategy show. You know, we do like we'll, we'll do player analysis and stuff. But the reality is that's not really where our edges are one um so everybody here mm -hmm. watching the show if you can um go down if you're not subscribed to the channel please do so uh helps us out tremendously trying to grow this channel um also if it's valuable to you you know leave a like leave a comment let us know what you think of the trades but without further ado mike we'll get into the first trade um how it starts off we always start off with one of our own trades so you know we show what we're doing it's not just us grading everybody else's trade so we're going to start off with the trade i made um so here it is this is a 12-team Superflex League. It's a lineup league, so it's mm -hmm. not a best ball league. Starting nine. So um, this is probably a move, if I'm keeping it real, that I really wouldn't have made um, until playing in a lot of different leagues and realizing in a start nine league, for me, the reason I make a trade like this is it feels like an overpay, but Patrick Mahomes in mm -hmm. a format like this is extremely valuable. And 
I'm I'm trading I'm basically up tearing from Dak to Mahomes. I'm giving up DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift. I'm giving up a 111. I'm giving up 112 and I'm giving up 103 uh to go get Patrick Mahomes. Personally, like I know it feels expensive, but this is what it was going to cost if I wanted to get Mahomes. And the truth is, the Gleaton owner doesn't really make a lot of trades. So I knew I had to overpay. I started with an offer of Dak Swift 112 111. He basically said, you got to throw in 103. To me, it felt heavy, but the more I thought about it, I wanted to secure Mahomes. I now have Mahomes. Last week, you saw it's the same league. So now my quarterbacks are Mahomes and Lamar. Um, but, Mike, what are your thoughts on this, given the format? And, you know, it, it's a heavy price tag, but what do you think? Start ninth. That's what uh, quarterback, three wide receiver, uh, two running back, super flex, and then two flex. Yeah, exactly. So it's – um. It's two running back, two receiver, two flex, a super flex in the QB. Okay. So yeah, okay. so yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, like it's it's definitely an overpay, but like here's the thing, like when I was playing, um, it's always hard to just you know analyze trades in a in a vacuum, and the reason why is because like it, at the end of the day, you just want to like win, right? And you're trying to make a trade that makes your team better. So it kind of really depends on what the rest of your team looks like. Like if I were to say you know, you made this trade and then now you have no depth, like that would probably not be a great trade because like, you know, you put all your eggs in one basket and as good as Mahomes is, um, like in my experience, like the teams that make it to the end are the ones that can win the war of attrition. And you're pretty much, I guess, giving up at least three starters, maybe more depending on how the 1.11 and 1.12 pan out. Um, uh, actually, that's funny. Ewok Village, I'm pretty sure. He's in one of my leagues or something like that. Um, yeah, he probably yeah, is, so Ryan. Think, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's actually the defending yeah, champ, so, as you can see, the one twelve. Yep. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's it just kind of depends on the rest of your team and what it looks like after this. But like when you go for an asset, right? When you go for an asset like Mahomes, when you go for uh, you know like a like a Joe Burrow, like Justin Herbert, like all these types of guys, right? And the top top wide receivers like Justin Jefferson. Like you're not going to get a steal on those guys. Like that just that just never happens because right. everyone wants them. They know they're really good. So you're going to have to overpay to get them. So then the equation always just becomes: Can your team afford the overpay? And if you can afford the overpay and it makes your team like drastically better, then you know you can always justify it because uh, hopefully you would have made enough winning trades. Um, you know throughout the rest of the stuff. That's how I always thought about it. It's like I look at my teams and I'm like, okay. If I make an overpay for this player, one, does it make my team drastically better? And two, like, does it take my like risk, pro- like my risk uh, ability to absorb risk, like significantly down? And if the answer to both to the one is yes, and the answer is no to the other, then I'm usually okay overpaying because I would have accumulated enough value through other trades. Um, but when you make a play for a superstar, like that's, I mean, you can't get it without overpaying. I mean, that's just the that's just the reality of things. You know, it, it, um, I'm I'm glad. Like when you when you're talking through that, th- there's a lot of points I think you made there that is honestly part of the reason I did this. Right, the reality is I have done a lot of the principles you kind of uh, talked about on your your shows. So as you see, I mean, I have three twenty three first. I'd already moved one hundred two. Um, I had moved some twenty three picks. I still have four seconds, and I have four first mm-hmm. and twenty four. So to your point, like mm-hmm. you know, the Iron Bank, like I have. A bunch of picks in 24 even once the team's assembled i have seconds to kind of fill the running back spot um i do have aj brown i have some studs 
this definitely hurts my depth. Like, I'm not going to say it doesn't. And you mm-hmm. don't want to give up, you know, mm-hmm. it's not ideal to give up three picks in the first round because we know even though one, it's, even though it's 111 and 112, it's still a first round and this is a deep class. But I think the reality was in start nine, what I was realizing is I, I had spent so much on picks and the way my team was formed. Like, I really wanted to get two anchor quarterbacks. And I was basically okay mm-hmm. overpaying knowing I can find the other spots and replace them a little easier, I think whether it's running back, yep. you know, the top end receivers, like you said, Jamar Chase, Je- uh, Justin Jefferson, you're not going to get those guys cheap, but I think I can find replacement level guys and, and start nine, the two quarterbacks. If you have two elite quarterbacks, now the rest of the, the teams that you're going to play, they have the seven spots to try to catch up to the quarterbacks who score more than everyone else. So it's an overpay, um, probably on paper, but to me in, in a start nine lineup league, like it was worth it for me to do it. Um, I'll say this like to everyone watching. I think the biggest point here is Mahomes is probably worth this, but if your team has not been built up with enough equity and you spend all this on Mahomes, can you form a team around him? I think that's where like just this generic trade may not be the correct move for every single team that's playing in a league like this. So, um, kind of want to get yeah, those points much. out. Yep. Yeah, because what happens is like, let's say your your team is not in that space. Let's say you don't have those four twenty four first or whatever, right? What's gonna happen is you're gonna realize, oh shit, like my team's actually not good enough to carry a player like Mahomes, and then you're gonna trade them for less than what you paid. That, and I see it all the time. It happens every single time, every single year, every league I'm in. Actually, maybe not so many of my 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 longer leagues because a lot of those guys are, are pretty fucking sharp now. But um, but yeah, you see it all the time, man. People like go after the guy, they go all in on that one player, that one superstar, that stud. And then next thing you know, like they're trading him away to like get back more, more, more shots at the board, right? And that's that's really what it is. You you talk about the iron bank, like that's the concept that I've always played with in, in fantasy. Like no matter how good my teams are, I'm always trying to reload and restock on picks to just keep my championship team going. Mm-hmm. And if you have that type of equity, not only does it mean you can pull trades like this, it gives you a little bit more breathing room. Uh, for mistakes when trades don't work out because nobody bats 1,000. So some of these times you're going to make a trade. It's not going to work out and you're going to need that like cushion. So if you don't have that cushion, like like if you didn't have, if you only had one 2024 first, for example, like there's no way I'd make this trade like not yeah. in like a million years because you, if you make the mistake, let's say Mahomes get injured, like it's over for your team for like multiple years. So that's that's that, kind of how I think about it. No, I mean, I'm, I'm literally the same way. Had I not had all those first built up in 24, I probably wouldn't have made this trade too. And, and I think the last point I'll make is, um, you know, you, you made a really good point there about one, if your team's not appropriately built around Mahomes, a lot of times people will be like, man, I need to get depth built up and they'll end up trying to tear down on Mahomes. If you made a trade like this and then you try to tear down on Mahomes, you're never going to get out what you paid for him. Secondly is, you know, I think th- this year, Mike, and in this team specifically, you can talk about this with, I, or I can at least, I had this team in, in start nine where, you know, so Dak one got hurt early and wasn't actually really all that great this year. Wasn't the Dak you were hoping for. And then two, Matthew Stafford, my other quarterback, sucked and then got hurt at the end. Those two quarterbacks mm-hmm. ended up costing my team drastically to the point where this team was like at this time last year, you would look at my team and said, that's a juggernaut team. But it turns out my pick that I had already sent away banking on my team, that ended up being the 104. So now I mm-hmm. have you know, three other 24s plus mine. So one, if things don't go right, I have my liquidity, like my own pick to control how things are going. And I also have everyone else's to play with, with the variance. So um, I, I'm excited to do it this way. 
but I will say once again, this is not a move for everyone to make. So uh, Mike and I are on the same page on this one. I'm overpaying probably in value, but I'm willing to do it to go get the asset, and I have built up the depth to do it. Uh, getting into another another trailer, let's just not talk about me up here, you know. Um, so we have a 12-team Superflex lineup. So basically the same thing as last last one, except it's start 10 now. So it's PPR. Um, draw 4 is saying he is he is in a rebuild mode. But let me ask you, like George Pickens going into this year, um, you know, someone that was pretty hyped. He made some really highlight catches that's, I think, caught his value pretty high. People are excited about him, young young ascending receiver. But the 109 mm-hmm. versus George Pickens, where are you on that? And then is the addition of 301, like, h- how do you view this trade? This is a 12 team? Yeah, 12 team, super flex, um, PPR, and it's starting yeah. 10. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the, the 301 is kind of like – you know, doesn't really play a huge role. I mean, um, haven't done like a deep dive on the class yet, but like that once you get that deep, like it just really doesn't matter. And you can like you can get thirds and fourths back like all the time. Like it, it's like the easiest asset to get back. I always like squeeze one out uh, out of like any other trade. So really, it's just one hundred and nine versus George Pickens. And George Pickens feels like one of those guys that's like I like watching him play. Right as a, as a fan of the game, he makes like some yes. incredible plays. He made that absolutely incredible catch. Right. Yes. But if you look at like his peripherals and his efficiencies, like it's not that great. And part of that's because Pitt- Pittsburgh sucks and they have no quarterback. But also that's a problem that's not going to be solved this year either. So I would rather take the 109 and, and not because I, I necessarily think who I pick at the 109 is going to give me uh, a better player for sure. Right. Because, you know, that late in the first round, it's also pretty shoddy. And like as far as like wide receivers go, um, the class is like, okay like not great right it's not going to be like a 2020 uh 2021 type of situation Uh, but the 109 does give me like flexibility right whereas like you look at george pickens only you're in a 12-man league only a a subset of that is going to want george pickens right but a much bigger group will want the 109 and if they and, and, and the 109 at least gives you an anchor into the draft class. So I don't know how many other picks D, uh, draw four has, but if he has like other first round picks, if he has second round picks, now he has the 109 that places an anchor in the back part of the first round, which like forms like a, I always described it this way. I liked having as many anchors in the first round as possible, like up to a max of like three or four, and then a bunch of second round and third round picks. Because what that means is I can control the flow of the draft. I can always trade back and get players in the same tier that I like. I can always move up, you know, from that anchor. It won't cost me very much because I'll have second and third round picks I can throw around. So that, that third round pick is basically just like cannon fodder to, for you to move up and down in drafts. And then the 1.09 serves as like the anchor base for you to maneuver. So uh, I when I see the 109, like I don't see a player. I'm not looking at it and saying, hey, I'm going to draft this guy for sure. I'll look at a range of players, but more, more like, you know, the more important piece is I look at 109 and I say, okay, I have a foothold in this draft at that spot and it will allow me to maneuver up or down plus minus a couple of spots to get the player that I want. And if I don't like that, if I don't like any players left, chances are some other people will like the players that are left and I can take that one Oh nine. I can flip it into a 2024 first round pick, just a random first round pick. And maybe by, you know, by variance, by luck, that first round pick ends up being a middle first round pick or a high first round pick. So there's a lot of value to be extracted based on the option value of having that pick versus a, player like george pickens who realistically only a couple of players in your in your league are gonna want um so if i'm rebuilding i love this move if i'm not rebuilding i still love this move uh i just love this trade um through and through yeah I'm, 
I, I love the way you broke that down because that's exactly the way I would view it. And, and you know, I think this probably, if you're watching this, um, what it, it probably depends if you're playing in a portfolio or you're playing in a handful of leagues and ultimately to your league and how they value things. If you're in a home league that is like very much not hip to the reality of draft picks, everything Mike said though is the reality of this this pick. Now, if you're in a home league where it do, they don't value picks and that pick value ascension isn't going to happen for the next three months, that's like the only exception here to where I would ever want George Pickens. And even then, I still might be willing to take the risk of the two pieces here. I think the reality of 109 is this. One, we I was just in a uh, – we do mock drafts all the time. And 109, a guy like Jameer Gibbs fell all the way to 109. Now, there, there's there's – when you get to a player specifically, even if it's Jameer Gibbs, I don't care what you think about anyone – we don't know what he's going to check in weight wise. We don't know what he's going to end up doing in the NFL. But like 109 is a, as if if you force me to make the pick of 109, I'm excited about it because there's four quarterbacks currently that have the realistic opportunity to get first round draft capital. Then you have Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. You have some good receivers in this class. So all, like 109 is a pick I like a lot if you force me to make it. But the biggest point you made is one, two, two things I think. George Pickens has a lot of allure, but at the same time. Like every single one of your 12 league mates or 11 league mates, sorry, they don't necessarily view George Pickens as this high end asset. Like some people may not really be in on George Pickens. The preconceived notions of Pickens locks that into one asset, whatever you think about it. 109 has endless possibilities. You have basically guaranteed value ascension at the combine. Um, you have it at, you know, free agency when, when people start knowing where guys are going. And then ultimately when real players are drafted in the NFL, 109 is going to do nothing but accrue value. I'll say this. Typically, third rounders, in the past, I've been more like just here. I'll get rid of it. I can accrue it later. I want all the seconds in this class because it's a deep running back class. To your point, it's not a 2020. It's not a 2021. I don't think the high-end assets are here in this class. But there's a lot of like pretty good running backs in this class. So at 301, even if you force me to keep it, I can shoot my shot. But the, the, but the reality is 109 and 301 are just liquidity. You can move up and down the board. You could move back from 109. If someone you really love is at 107, you can move up. 301 becomes a piece that can help you move up if you want to move up. So I, I want the plethora here. I'm with you. It doesn't even matter if it's rebuild or not. I want the two for one plus the, the 109 over Pickens every time. Now, here's the thing. If you end up making these picks, last point I'll make. If you end up making the pick and 109 is now a player and 301 is now a player, when we get to the season this time next year, like Pickens may be valued higher than all of them. But mm-hmm. there's so much time that you can move these picks. And like you said, whether it's on the clock or when the hype builds, there's so much more flexibility with the pick. So ultimately, I, I want I want draw four out here pretty easy. A- any final thoughts other than that? Uh, No, yeah, I think – just brought up a good point like all the different value accrual like you know you look at the offseason cycle it's always a cycle every single year you have you know you have the people that declare and then people get excited and then you have the combine people get excited about the underwear olympics and then you have you know the draft and people get excited and then like there's always people that emerge out of the draft that people care about a lot more than they should so a lot of like exit off ramps like if you think about you know the dynasty uh draft cycle as like a highway you have an exit you know multiple times and you don't have that exit with George Pickens. So, right. you know, that's why that's why it's like when you compare draft picks this early in the season, offseason, to a player that has a lot of question marks, I typically prefer the the liquidity of the of the draft pick. 100% agree. All right. So, 
Let, let's get into a one for one here. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mike has been around a long time in the dynasty game. He's like I said, he's one of the first ones I started watching. So Mike has seen probably as much, if more, not more than anyone, how the running back is value is starting to trend down. But at the same time, like you need running backs. So like th- this one here is interesting to me. I had to look at it a few different times. Um, I- I'm kind of interested to hear your thoughts on this one. Um, and let me, before I started off, let me just say seven goat rings. Uh, this is a guy that makes the show almost every single week and he has a notoriety for getting over on people. I, I don't know that this one is a, you know, necessarily get over on someone, but, but, but what are your thoughts here? Is it, is it any different than the last trade or, or with Barkley? Is it different for you? It's different. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Barkley, especially like last season. I thought he was a great value. Um, and I think this season he'll still be a great value. I don't think this this trade is necessarily like a, a bad one for either side. Like I don't know what the what the intentions are, but like you know, typically you do want to cycle out of running backs like once they hit that curve. But I feel like now that everyone kind of understands the running back age curve, so there's two curves, right? There's the age curve, like the production curve, and then there's like the value curve, right? right and that applies right. to all players, whether it's a wide receiver running back tight end it's just that wide receiver and tight end hit much later running back the value curve kind of plummets as soon as like usually right when the rookie contract ends that's when like people start trying to get out running backs but the production curve doesn't really fall off for a lot longer than that so if you look at like the cmc's of the world if you look at like derrick henry if you look at the truly elite running backs which i think saquon barkley kind of falls into that class like with the exception like todd Gurley, who like had a busted up knee like a lot of them produce well into you know later on in their career so um in terms of like how i like approach building my teams is if i'm in a contention window i'm like always trying to make a move to get the most bang for buck production wise and the best way to get bang for buck production wise is to acquire you know assets whether it's running backs or wide receivers that have hit the value curve uh, have hit the value cliff which means like dynasty communities like fuck these guys i'm out on them they suck whatever blah blah, blah. but right. haven't necessarily hit the production curve yet so i think barkley kind of falls in that camp and i think if i look back at 2022 uh 2022 uh late 2021 coming in 2022 and then probably this year as well going to 2023 i've never made like as many moves and drafted as many veterans as these couple of years just because i feel like the pendulum has swung so far in the opposite direction where people are like allergic to anyone who's getting older uh especially this time of year right yes yeah especially this time of year where you know people are getting all hyped on the running backs and and the quarterbacks and all that stuff um you can get a lot of value uh for aging vets and like it's not even like barkley's that old i mean if you look at barkley's production like he missed like a couple seasons to injury last year was his like first full season in like forever uh, and then, you know, now he's going in again with another another uh, very healthy season. And the Giants still suck. They've always sucked. Um, but, you know, they have a better coach now. Hopefully they add some pieces on offense. But I do think, like, Barkley is just someone that's good for value. So in this trade, I don't think it's, like, unfair for either side. If you want to look at, like, pure value, like, who's going to accrue the most value and, like, win the trade, so to speak, like, maybe it's the 102 because – you know, people will want to go for that spot. But to be honest, the drop off from 101 to 102 is so big. Like I've been touting Bijan Robinson like since, I don't know, two, three years ago, like two years, I think like two years ago, I said Bijan Robinson's the top five running back today and people hated it because like, oh, how can you, you know, get a Debbie, blah, blah, blah. But like, right. like now, like, like, like name one running back that, that you can 
that you can give up and get Bijan Robinson in return. You can't. You it, can't. It it's happen. not. It doesn't exist. No. It doesn't exist, right? So, but like the drop off from the one hundred one to one hundred two. If I think about my tiers and how I value those picks, like one hundred one is a first round pick, and then like one hundred two is like two, three, four rounds later. So from value wise, I could see one hundred two winning. But like you know, big black Scooby, if his team is in a contention window, like this is a trade I would make like nearly all the time because three down running backs like barely exist anymore. No matter how good of a draft profile you have. That's hard hitting analysis, man. Cause it's, it's a lot of the way I view it. So let me, let me start with, with Barkley side. Cause I, I think you already hit a lot of the points, but in a nutshell, if you were to tell me you're going to bank on a running back that's aging that you have to kind of hold, if you want to bet on one of them breaking the mold, Henry Henry's proven it right, and I, I've been basically more of a sell Henry because of the age and fear of him being injured. And look at that! Look how that's turned out, not well. But if you're gonna bet on one running back to age well, it's fucking Saquon Barkley, and it's not really close. I mean, outside of you know Bijan coming in this year, we've never seen a guy that looks like him, can play like him, and to your point, is gonna be in a in a scenario now where. Teams basically deploy two down, you know, two different backs at least a lot of places. Saquon Barkley is looking at 80, 85% of snap share, sometimes 90% in a game. Like that, that, that almost doesn't exist. Even really good running backs don't see all the work and third down work and can catch the football and can break any single play to the house. That's what Saquon Barkley provides. So if you tell me right now that your team is a is very strong contender – and like you're sure about it and the thing you're really missing is that hero rb or that top rb and you want to make this bet i don't i don't really have a problem with it i'll say this i think this really depends on the two conversations if this is a league that isn't very active and is likely not trading on the clock much when we get to this time next year i think barkley is still going to be valued as a top five running back but when you talk about 102, I think this is where it's interesting. Like, I, the, like you, you talked about it already with uh, 109. Like, I don't actually view 102 as a player yet. I do think if you force me to make it, I'm taking the top quarterback because everyone's taking Bijan at 101, almost guaranteed. Unless it's like a 14 or a 16 team league, Bijan's basically a lock to go 101. Like, it doesn't matter. So I get the top pick of quarterback. And the, and the reason I bring that up, you can move 102, but. Right now, the other thing that's happening is the quarterback market is as top-heavy, and then all of a sudden you get to shit very quick, right? So there's a lot of people chasing quarterback, which I think – here's what I'll say. I don't think there's a single prospect in this class that looks like, oh, my God, I want Bryce Young. I want C.J. Stroud. Like, you're not, you know, freaking out over them like you may have in the 2021 class or 2020 class. But I think one of these quarterbacks is going to land – top five in a spot that's decent enough that people are like, Oh shit, I want CJ Stroud for the Colts. You know, so yep. that's the type of value that I think if you're, if this is a move that has flippability in mind, I, I want seven goat ring side. And typically in leagues that are active, I would prefer that. But, but I'll say this, like if you are somebody that has a very good contending team and you don't make a ton of moves, th- th- like I'm fine. Also taking the other side, like I'll say overall, I'll lean seven goat rings side uh, because of my principles, but this is not egregious either way. I, the way I view it personally. 
Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I think if you just want to look at pure value in a vacuum, he probably wins out. But if I'm looking at my team and like this is the piece that kind of really puts me across the top, um, then I like the trade. And when I say like that's a piece you need, like there's a big difference. I think what between how I approach trading and how a lot of people do, they're like, oh, if I get this running back, like that's the one like with him, I'm going to win. And like, I don't have like, I have a bunch of other holes, but this is the one. Like, if you, all you have is Saquon Barkley and you're making this move, probably not ideal, right? This Correct. piece has right. to be the piece that like really pushes you over the edge. Like, you probably have, hopefully, you have like a couple other running backs. You have some really stack wide receivers. You have two top 15 quarterbacks. And you're like, okay, if I get Saquon Barkley here, and even if I lose one or two of my other pieces, I'm still a top contender. That's the type of scenario where I'm looking to make a trade like this because. You have enough cushion again to like embrace the variance of hits inevitably in every season. So that's how I look at the trade. So it shouldn't be like I have I, like be, before we take on Barkley, I had like zero RB and I had like one shitty running back that I could start. And now I'm making this trade. That's not the scenario you want to be in. You want to have like enough depth pieces where if Saquon misses a couple of weeks or if one of your other running backs goes down, you can still put up a very formidable lineup. So I don't know what the situation is for him, but if that's the situation, then even though you lose a little bit of value on the trade, I think it's a it's a good trade to make. The chances of you getting a running back at 102, I know everyone loves Ymir Gibbs. I like him too. But chances of him turning into Saquon Barkley in year one are actually like pretty low. Right. So they're they're very low, yeah. Like yeah. and I guess I guess the one thing you, you brought up already is one for one, like if you if you told me that this is the one oh one, I mean this is a home run. Because I, you get to de-age Saquon Barkley and get the best running back that's a rookie, there's no question. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't yeah. ex- it doesn't exist at 102. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's enough analysis to get uh, to the next one. The last thing I will say is this. I think one thing that you're getting to is if you've basically roster constructed correctly and your team can afford it, as far as like Barkley comes in now as your one, which pushes your two down and your team is very stacked, you can make the play. The one thing I'll say is Seven Goat Rings has basically shown us weekly that he has abused Big Black Scooby, and I'm not very confident in that he has the roster that uh, that you're talking about. If if Big Black Scooby has a contending roster that's deep, though, I'm with you. I'm, I'd be okay with this. I think more often than not, I'll take the 102, but it's 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 a fair trade uh, on the surface, which is, is rare for Seven Goat Rings. All right, 12-team Superflex lineup. Um, I, I'm actually curious – how you view this one here because like we, we know how the, the running back market is and Joe Mixon is a running back. I think that's pretty polarizing. I have a lot of thoughts yeah. here, but I, I'm curious, Mike, you know what, what you think of here, like Kenyon Drake, I don't think is a piece that matters a ton. Um, he's a body no. that if everything breaks right, he could be startable, but he's yeah. not a piece that means a lot. Um, he's also getting pretty old. So it's really like a small plus and a 24 first, which is generic. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that's just generic right now. I don't care if it looks good or doesn't. That's generic versus Joe Mixon. Yeah. So I, I mean, long term, long time like Joe Mixon stan. Uh, but he was like brutally awful last year. Just like I was watching him, like, man, what happened? Like this guy used to be like really good. He used to be like pretty elusive. He's just not been very, very good. Um, but I think when I look at this, like a random 2024 first, again, this is like, the point where the assets kind of cross, right? Like Joe Mixon's going down. This asset's going to keep going up. 2024 class, if you guys don't play Debbie, uh, maybe you don't know as many of the names, but there are a lot of, lot of really, really good names coming out of 2024. Uh, so I would rather have the 2024 first, not only because, um, 
because Joe Mixon's declining. But even if you swap in another older running back, like in that in his place, the 2024 again comes down to liquidity, right? Like in the season, right? You're going to be able to trade that 2024 for whatever asset that you need, um, which you can't save for Joe Mixon. Uh, maybe you need a running back right now, or you think you need a running back right now. Like, what happens if they go out and draft the running back? Like, there's just like there's so much risk associated with this particular asset. Like, Joe Mixon's price could tank. I don't really see how it could go up. Like, even if they don't draft any running backs, they're like, hey, he's the guy, he's the he's the man, yada yada yada. And this is some someone that has Joe Mixon on a lot of rosters actually. Uh, but like his value um, value accrual events are just not non-existent. I don't see any way for him to accrue value. Like his value really can only go down because he's old. And two, they could draft someone. Uh, yeah. So I would much rather have the 2024 because, you know, maybe I don't need Joe Mixon. Maybe later on I need a wide receiver. I need a tight end or I need to upgrade my quarterback or whatever. Like if you need Joe Mixon to win on your team, uh, I'm like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but you probably don't have a championship contending team. So that's just a very uh, harsh reality. Whereas like if you and, and then if you don't need Joe Mixon to win, then I would rather have the 2024 first because it gives me the flexibility to trade for whatever I want in the season if I am a contender. And if I'm not a contender, then I just sit on it and as a rebuilder and wait for my wait for the pick to go up in value. So that's kind of how I view this trade. I, I think it's pretty well spoken. Let, let, let me say a couple things. One, y- you brought up the risk of Joe Mixon. And I, I think it's actually – like I, I'm not here to talk about what happened back in Oklahoma. I think that that's different. But what's interesting is just a couple weeks ago, there was an incident off the field. Um Turned out the the arrest warrant that was that came out for Joe Mixon uh, was you know rescinded. It doesn't look like anything's going to happen. But there's another risk point: is anything off the field that Joe Mixon does right? Like there's so many things he could get hurt in the offseason. If you remember, Josh Jacobs avoided you know two years ago a DUI where he crashed his car. Like there's things with a player that that force that one asset where if something happens, good or bad, Henry Ruggs. You know, he's in jail now. Like, he, I'm not saying Joe Mixon's that a bad person to that level. Mm-hmm. I'm just my my point is that there's things that can happen with Joe Mixon that guarantee his value goes down. To your point, there's basically nothing. Like, I don't care. The only thing that can happen for his value to go up at all is that it's going to go down because of the youth movement. And then if at this time next year all they have back is Samaj P. Ryan, they don't do anything at running back. Now during the season, as as is approaching, you might get a little bit of value bump back for Mixon. But there, there's no like yep. explosion coming for Joe Mixon as far as value goes. Yep. Last yep. year, you kind of saw a guy that didn't want get the three-down workload. I think everybody's kind of wanted that, but th- he doesn't earn it. And then two, he had so many underwhelming games. He had the one crazy explosion game for like 48 points. But mm-hmm. this is a guy that's getting older, and this just makes so much sense to trade. And, and I'll say the last point kind of looking at this in reverse. If I'm trash time, and I think the biggest point I can make to everyone watching is this. If you do like Joe Mixon, that 24 first is so much more certain to accrue value. Timing is the biggest thing I'll say with this trade. I'm never going to do this trade in February. I've learned mm-hmm. from what I've learned, I'll never do this trade ever again in February. Now, if we're talking about I still have these assets and we are in, you know, kind of getting playoff push let's say october range right and my team is seven eight wins right and this 24 first pick looks later like it's a playoff team all of a sudden now 
yeah, okay, if you want to make that move and get rid of Kenyon Drake who's doing nothing for Joe Mixon when he's shown that he still has the juice and is, is a contender piece that matters, that's fine. But right now, this is a terrible trade to make, I think, because of timing, has all the edges of the 24 pick and no edges to Joe Mixon. Last thing you already hit on is that this 24 class is juice, man. Like, if there's any scenario where GM23 is worth betting against, Caleb Williams, mm -hmm. Drake May, mm -hmm. all the running backs, Marvin Harrison Jr., I want this 24 pick by a mile, and then Kenny Drake I don't really think matters, but if he ends up back in Baltimore as a guy that could maybe – on a week where JK's hurt or whatever gets snaps, like maybe he's plug and play. So um, I don't think it's honestly that close. I want Tyler Lorenz in 54 side pretty easy here. All right. So, so uh, we, we've been in agreement all along here. So, all right, we're going to get into some, some quarterback trades here. Mm -hmm. This one here is pretty interesting to me on a couple different levels. It's 12 team super flex PPR. We're starting 10, but the thing here, uh, Mike, is this is a best ball league. So, we're talking best ball versus lineup. Obviously, you know the difference. But in like best ball dynasty, what's crazy is some of these rosters, you can have 35, 40 roster spots. So it really, really becomes about depth because you can't just press the – you don't just press the button on somebody. Like you get all the shots. Some of the guys that don't matter in lineup matter in best ball. I guess there, there's a few different ways to look at this. This is basically a teardown. You're tearing down from Dak to go get Daniel Jones, and you're adding a 24 first – it's not a part of this trade, a random team. Um, I'll say this. Dak, it feels like, is getting to the point where it, I, I, it's starting to feel like the hate may be going a little too far on him mm -hmm. as far as a dynasty quarterback asset. He's you know about to be 30. He, he's still got plenty of time. He didn't have the greatest season this year. Um, he was hurt as well. He had the thumb injury. Daniel Jones yep. is also kind of peaking, which is what's hard about this. This is a guy that, you know, going into this year, people were ready to write off. Brian Dable has kind of helped resurrect him. He had 700 rushing yards. I think his rushing upside is something that makes him intriguing, whether you like him or not. And then you're adding the 24 asset. I, I'm, I'm curious here, Mike, what your thoughts are. So for me, uh, again, it kind of comes down to what their teams look like. Value-wise, like, I kind of like the – the Daniel Jones side, I, I know everyone like wrote him off. I actually liked him last year uh, in 2022. I felt like uh, I'm not saying he's good or anything, right? I'm not. I'm not saying this guy is going to become a superstar, but like, frankly, we haven't really see, given him like a fair shot yet. Obviously, he makes a lot of bonehead moves and stuff like that, but he hasn't had a weapon. Like, like the the Giants like receiver room has been like a sorry excuse for an offense for as long as we can remember now. I mean. The only person he can throw to is like Saquon Barkley. Like Kenny Galladay, never done anything since he joined there. Kadarius Tony went there, got injured, and left. Dude, I think yeah, I think I think I think Mike or myself could have had as many catches as Kenny Galladay did for the Giants this year. He <laughs> yeah. had, I think he had six catches all year. Like he's been a disaster since they paid him. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is like I like trades like this because I don't know if Go Devil intended this. But I like making trades like this myself back in the day where I acquire a risky asset, uh, whether it's a running back or a quarterback that's kind of dodgy but has some upside, and then I get a pick because that pick is like your floor protection. It's insurance, mm -hmm. right? Daniel Jones mm -hmm. goes to zero, right? There's still a chance that you outproduce Dak Prescott with the 2024 first. Now, the odds are not good, obviously, because Dak is still a you know starting quarterback, and I agree with you. He's gotten way more hate than – 
than necessary. Like I think he's one. He's someone that's like is starting to fall into like that Kirk Cousins zone for me, where people are yeah. like, "Wow, this guy sucks. Like he can't make the playoffs. He can't make a big game, and blah blah blah." Which is all fine and dandy, but I don't care about that for fantasy. I just care if he scores points. And, exactly. Uh, we, points. we don't and, care if he wins in in the real NFL if he's scoring points for our fantasy teams. Exactly. Yeah, like I've been winning championships with Kirk Cousins for ever since I started playing fantasy. So I think like that kind of like falls into that bracket. Like, you know, and we've seen like the upside of him as well. Um, so, you know, obviously I, I think that the gap is definitely warranted based on the value. But if I'm making, if I'm trying to make like a home run swing, right, I would make, this would be like a trade that I would consider accepting like on the Daniel Jones side, just because, especially if it's best ball, right? The biggest headache with Daniel Jones is like, if you guys ever look at his weekly performance, he performs like a wide receiver because like when he's on, he'll hit like he'll, you know, he's, he's a good rushing upside. He, you know, runs for touchdowns. He, he's like actually a lot more athletic than people give him, give him um, credit for. Uh, but like his down weeks are bad. And most of my leagues, I play like six, uh, six point touchdown, four point interception. So right. when Daniel Jones is a bad week, he kills you. Like Dude, he's scoring like sure. sometimes negative points. Right. For sure. But in a best ball format, I'm, I'm much more interested because I don't have to worry about doing lineups. And, like, when he blows up, he blows up. Like, when he blows up, he will be, like, a top five quarterback for that week. So if you have other good quarterbacks and or not not even, like, good, if you have another stable of quarterbacks, which you can play, like, the best ball game with, I kind of like the value on that end. Um, and then, like I said, it's, it's still a fair trade, but I feel like there's a lot more um, upside on the, on the Daniel Jones in 2024 first side because there's still a chance – that the Giants go out and grab some weapons for this guy, either through free agency and through the draft, and he comes out and he's like, you know, like a like a like a poor man's Eli Manning in his prime, but with rushing upside. And that type of quarterback, while not sexy, is enough to be your quarterback too to help you win a championship. And then the 2024 first could be anything, right? So, you know, if that becomes a top three pick, uh, and you're looking at like a Travion Henderson or, yeah. you know, you're looking at a Caleb Williams, like, yes. you know, you're looking at some wide receivers in that class. Like you could easily flip that 2024 first for like Dak plus in a year. And then you got Daniel Jones for free. So that's why I like these types of trades. When you're acquiring a risky asset, pairing it with a with a future first, even if it's two years out, doesn't matter because it's right. going to accrue value and people will give those out for a lot cheaper. Um, so that's the type of trade construct I would always use when I'm trying to acquire a risky asset and trading down from a more, uh, call it stable or safer asset, I guess. Dude, sheesh, man. Getting you on here was a absolute must. Like, okay, so, so see, I, I, I like the way you put that. And the way I view it is this, right? What, what's interesting, I think people are kind of like, okay, Daniel Jones is at a peak in dynasty value, which yeah, it, it probably is true. Like, and, and keep trade cut, which I think – their trade calc is really, really bad, but I do think yeah. that with like rankings, you you get to, you get a chance to see what people value assets and players as. So Daniel Jones is quarterback thirteen. So so like to that point, yes, has he reached a peak in dynasty value? Like he's not going to crack the top ten in dynasty value. That you're you're correct on that. I would agree with anybody that would say that. Whereas Dak Prescott feels like he's starting to reach more of a plateau in value. Like it's probably unlikely he's going to go significantly lower than quarterback eleven, twelve. Okay, but he, he, here's my problem with the trade if you wanted to up tier. If I'm going to send Daniel Jones in my 24 first, which I will absolutely do, it's for a quarterback that, one, has points per game upside that Dak may possess, but it's going to be two 
for a quarterback that has dynasty value higher. Because D- Dak Prescott, right now, you're, you're, you're sinking into a, a guy that can't improve his, his thought process, how he's perceived, until next year if he's lighting the world on fire. Like, he can't do anything in the offseason to, incru- to inc- increase value. The 24 first will increase in value. Daniel Jones, like, New York's keeping him for next year. Like, you can guarantee. I don't care if it's a franchise tag, if they get a deal done. The other part that you mentioned, which is what's very interesting to me, is this could go so many different ways, right? This last year, if you think about and look at it, Daniel Jones outscored Dak even with six points per passing touchdown on a points-per-game basis. So now I have, like, the way I would view this is if it breaks right again, I at least get the same points as Dak with Daniel Jones, but I add this yep. 24 first, right? That's like the yep. that's like the rosy side. All right. Then if Nitrogen's team is worth betting against, if that starts to become a top six pick, I can either cash out on it or, God forbid, this time next year, Daniel Jones is still the Giants quarterback. They upgrade weapons, and this is now Caleb Williams or Drake May or someone that Mike already alluded to. You destroy this trade. I think what Mike mentioned, though, mm-hmm. which is what people don't think about at this time when they make a trade like this is, let, let's say it goes wrong because people have been very out on Daniel Jones. Let's say next year Daniel Jones ends up turning into a pumpkin. You know, he, he doesn't play well, but maybe he gets hurt, a nagging injury, he can't rush as much. That asset starts coming, maybe not to zero, but significantly down. But that 24 first could still be not everything Dak's worth, but in the range. And if it's an early, if it's a 101, if that's Caleb Williams versus Dak, you still win the trade there. I think that's where it's there's so many different outs here on Go H Devil side that I want to play up as much as like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you if this is start nine lineup um, and that nitrogen team's built really well, that like I'm an advocate for Daniel Jones long-term. It's just from a process move. I want two shots given that the second piece here is liquidity in a class that's really, really dope. Um, So I don't know. That's the way I, that's the way I view it. And then the best ball thing is where I'm really excited because that 24 first at any point, I might be able to turn in, if it's a top six pick, into two assets. Like you might be able to buy two receivers that mean something to your team in best ball. Now you have three players that are scoring. Like th- th- this, I think, has so many scenarios for Go H Devil to really smash this trade. Yep, for sure. He's He's got all of the upside, and the guy trading for Dak has none of the upside, and mostly the value downside. So, yeah. Yeah. Like the only way that fuck Tom Brady wins this trade is that Dak somehow returns to like, you know, the form of like quarterback one, two that he had a few years back. But even then, Mm -hmm. like that would be the way he wins. I don't even know if that's the case. If Dak really gets back into the top six, five mix of some of the younger elite assets, because the one thing Dak doesn't do anymore really is rush like he used to. Yeah, He still has the ability, but he doesn't really rush, you know? That's the problem. He's, I mean, he's also like 29 years old, right? So he's getting a little bit older. So, you know, if he doesn't um, continue to kind of excel as a passer, that's why I said he's like, you know, he's a, he's like a more like slightly sexier like version of, of Kirk Cousins um, in, in that sense. And it's like his, his value is so capped because like, who is he going to leap to get mm-hmm. into the top six, right? You know, you think about right. it from this perspective, like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, like, you know, Justin Fields to a degree, like, 
you know, you still have Kyler and, you know, if Deshaun Watson like finally rebounds from his horrible, horrible season, it's like, who, how is he going to get into the top six? Like, I just don't see a path for him to get there as a 29 year old quarterback. Um, like, I mean, there's also the chance that like he turns into like a, a Russell Wilson, right? Like, you know, I thought Russell Wilson would be able to bounce back and and be really good, and boy, was I wrong. So yes. there's just very little protection to his his value downside here. There's literally no insulation. Like he has to go like all pro MVP to like maybe even like just retain his value or like maybe get a couple of spots. And like if he just plays as business as usual, it's an automatic decline. And if he shows any signs of stepping back, it's like a plummet. So uh yeah it's just like there's very little little um upside whereas like go devil here is getting all the upside even though he's taking on a riskier bet with daniel jones thousand percent that's literally exactly how i view it the other thing is when you saw my first trade a lot of basic like i'm not gonna re-emphasize what he said but what mike just said about Dak prescott is part of the reason i was able in my own process to throw him in even though it was an overpay to go get Mahomes because i don't think Dak has realistic upside of significant spots to get into the elite tier. So that's kind of why mm-hmm. I still was willing to give him up as an asset that matters in an overpay. Um, all right. So we got mm-hmm. speaking of Lamar and speaking of the top six quarterbacks, the one thing Mike I've seen, I, I've made a trade. I've acquired Lamar in one league. He He's starting to become polarizing. Um, there's mm-hmm. dynasty gamer fatigue. Let me say it that way, Mike, where like this is an elite asset that means so much when he plays, but the last two playoffs he hasn't played for people, and now you have mm-hmm. holdout possibly looming. They can't figure out what's going on with you know the contract. Yeah, he's somebody that I'm interested in buying when that is the fear from managers, and I can sense it. And I'll say this: I yeah. made a trade that was from last week where I acquired Lamar. Um, I sent 102 and Brees Hall, and I got Lamar and Ayuk. Ayuk, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, Mikey, you got you got us in on early. It wasn't a great bet when we bought into him going into sophomore year, but now he's starting to flourish and become the receiver we wanted him yeah. to be. You know, so I yeah. love that trade. But I'll say this: I love this trade way more. I love this trade way mm-hmm. more. So let, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. I, I kind of want to let you go first before I really lean into this one. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a Lamar Jackson stand, like since. After his, I think as soon as I saw him play his rookie year, I'm like, this is the easiest bet of all time uh, to just go all in on Lamar. And I, I did. And I won, I, I won so many championships that, that year because Lamar Jackson won his like MVP tier. tear. And then um, last year, I was like, oh, this is another great way to get into Lamar. Obviously, he got hurt. Um, and then now there's like all this stuff looming. But like, here's the, the bottom line. When Lamar Jackson's healthy, like there aren't like, you know, you can't name more than four to five. You can't. Honestly, you can't even name two to three that you know for sure are going to beat him because that's like the level of player that he is that's a level of dynasty asset that he is and like as unfair as it it, is as it is for him to like you know people think he's like a system quarterback or whatever and i'm sure like you know the running portion of the game definitely helped him a little bit but like you know what system was he in like this guy this guy hasn't had like legit a legit like you know wide receiver room since like for his entirety of his career so he's never had i still think mark andrews is dope and all but he's never had like this oh my god look at this receiving corpse never yeah and i hope that rashad Rashad bayman could have been that and then he got hurt and it's like we hope hollywood could have been that and he always got hurt and then he got traded right it's kind of like you know we're playing this like back and forth game and like if he goes to another team like i mean if lamar jackson were to ever hit the open market like there'd be 
30, 30 teams lined up. Maybe like no, maybe not thirty. So let's see: Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert. Like aside aside from those teams, like every single team would line up for a chance to get Lamar Jackson to play on their squad. So let's call I like it. This let's call because, it north of twenty for sure. Like there's at least twenty, yeah. twenty two, twenty four teams waiting, begging to get Lamar. Yeah, like I would love to see. Lamar Jackson on the Jets. I mean, it's not gonna happen, but like that's they they missed that one piece. Get Lamar Jackson on the Jets. He's got Garrett Wilson, oh. who's an absolute freaking baller. Elijah uh, Moore all of a sudden maybe gets a little value offense. bump, right? Yeah, and they got Brees Hall over there. I think that would be a great that'd be a great thing to see. I would love to see that. And if not, like hopefully he stays in Baltimore. Maybe they franchise tag him. Maybe they hold out. But you're also playing the long game. He's still young. Like I like this trade because. At the 102, like again, from the drop off from Bijan Robinson to the 102 is like so huge. Uh, and like maybe there's another quarterback that shows up like this, but like this is a former, like, unanimous, like, like MVP level, like to the point where he was absolutely shredding teams apart. And even like even last season, like he was still pretty good. Now people are going to say that he gets hurt and he's running a quarterback. I feel like that myth has for the most part been like dispelled. Like, it's not like running quarterbacks get hurt that much anymore because the league protects them so much. But I like this trade because you also get protected because you get a 2025 uh, second round pick back. So right. assuming this guy still has his own 2025 second, he still has two anchoring spots in the 2022, 2025 class, which one is two years out, um, but he can still make those types of moves. So if he didn't get the 2025 second back, Yes, it would probably be a little bit more risky. I would still probably make the trade anyways. But the fact that he squeezed out a 2025 second round pick is a great way to kind of manage that risk of downside. So I'm still like very much all in on Lamar Jackson. Like I think he's an absolute stud. And when he's playing, uh, like he's just an absolute animal when it comes to fantasy. So I like the trade personally. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Uh, set, settings real quick. I, I forgot to say, I, I, I should have said 12 team super flex PPR lineup and we're starting 10 mm-hmm. even more to that format, which like, honestly, you could tell me the format. I don't care. Like if it's best ball, we're starting 15, we're starting 17, we're starting nine. Like, I don't care. I want Lamar here. Um, but, but let me say this, like one Oh two, let's say CJ Stroud is the guy just, I'm giving a hypothetical. It doesn't matter who it ends up being. Let's say C.J. Stroud ends up being the quarterback one unanimously come the draft. He gets a decent landing spot. He ends up showing some mobility and is a decent quarterback asset in in, in fantasy and in Superflex that matters. I'm not going to say like 102 is dog shit. I, I agree with Mike, though. The 101 to 102 drop-off is very real. But I'm not going to say that like 102 can't be relevant in Superflex leagues. But I don't see a path for anybody here in this class outside of if Anthony Richardson has elite rushing upside and everything we've seen out of him throwing the football in Florida becomes non-existent. Now all of a sudden he can, you know, he's in a system where it's, it's fantasy friendly and he can check the ball down and they put him in his position to throw well. Outside of like Anthony Richardson firing on all cylinders, there's no scenario in a quarterback this year that possesses Lamar Jackson's peak MVP season. It just doesn't. Now, if you're telling me that the 25 first is what I have to attach to 102 to go get Lamar, I'd still do it. The problem there would be, obviously, like, I don't know how Mr. Wonderful's team's built. I don't know if this team can sustain success with injuries, and then all of a sudden if that 25 pick becomes early, that's a class that 
people don't know enough about but has quarterbacks and has if you're playing like you said in Debbie you'll you know that 25 has valuable players here's the thing that's really interesting to me about this trade that I think is such a smash so if you convince Velasco 1122 that he should take this package and you get Lamar like I don't know what his team looks like now if his team is like star studded maybe this principle that I'm going to say doesn't apply but if you're saying I'm going to take Lamar from you in a start 10 league you don't have the quarterback depth to really contend now all of a sudden like there's a scenario I'm not going to say it's going to happen for sure but there's a scenario where that 25 first can become late and that 25 second can become mid or early you're talking about like a five four three spot swap to get Lamar for 102 dude that that is crazy to me and then even if it's the other way around, if this ends up being an early 25 pick and that's a later 25 second, like I still think even then I want Lamar. But that's if everything goes wrong. I think what could go right is significant. If that's just a couple spot gap between that 25 first and second, which is two years out, good God, man. Like Mr. Wonderful is living a wonderful life, dude. Like that's what that's the way I view this trade anyway. Absolutely. All right. So, um, Mr. Wonderful, we're, we're, we're done um, saucing you up, gassing you up. This is the biggest trade as far as pieces we got, Mike. All right, so um, this is a long one, a lot of process, you know, picks to process, players to process here. Uh, so yep. I like Fish 58, right? He is getting Kyler Murray, Elijah Moore, Sam Howell, the 203, the 202, the 206, the 305, and the 102. Big, big package of, of players and picks. Astora Knight is getting Dak Prescott. He's getting Rashad White. 111 and the 101. Um, I'm, I'll read it back again because it's a lot of pieces happening here. But this is a 12-team Superflex, start 11. Um, I Like Fish, who's our patron, is in a rebuild. And this is a best ball league. So when you, th- when you think about I think that does matter here because of the plethora. Um, so once again, mm-hmm. Kyler, Elijah Moore, Sam Howe, 203, 202, 206, 102, and 305 is being acquired. And he's sending away Dak, Rashad White, 101, which we know is significant in Bijan, and then the 111. Um, I, I'm really curious. Like, dude, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've gone back and forth on this trade a lot. And I also understand probably, like, I we talk best ball a shit ton. Like, this is one of our things that we stress. So even understanding all the best ball principles, I've gone back and forth on this one. So I'm really curious, Mike, what you think. Um, and if you had, you know, enough time to process all the different moving parts here. Yeah, I'm trying to – so when I look at, like, a trade like this, what I do is I'll just, like, cross off, like, equivalent assets to try that's and get the what, that's trade. That's what we do too. Yeah, like, a little it. bit simpler. Yeah. So, like, you know, 202 plus 206 is probably equivalent to the one 1.11, so I can just cross that off. Um, okay. Even though you'd want the 1.11 because the 1.11 can always move can always move back, right? But you can't always move up. up so right. there's a little bit of a – a little bit of a gap there or so maybe if we want to be conservative we say let, let, the 2.02 let's even, and the 2.03 let, let's even just say for the simple f- case of argument though 202 and 206 just like you said though because i think best ball at least the the two for one matters more than the lineup so let's just say 202 and 206 yeah. like you said for 101 or 111 sorry yeah exactly so that one's gone um and then i mean sam howell's like a tricky really tricky one super too. tricky right <laughs> to, to, to kind of to kind of value so I'm gonna leave that one in there, but maybe I haven't checked recent ADPs. But where where does like Rashad White go? Like, is he is he like an RB three, RB two? He's a. I'll say this. I think right right now he's more of a um, high end RB three. 
is in the way that uh, the ADP a high goes. RB3. But yeah. here's the thing. The 23 class, I think, has a chance to come in and make that become a totally different conversation. I'm not saying I don't like Rashad White or whatever, but I, right now, before rookies come in, he's kind of more of a high-end RB3. Yeah, okay. Okay, so if we if we want to maybe, I would say, kind of cross like Rashad White against like maybe Sam Howell. Because Sam, the thing is like, Sam Howell's supposed to start, right? Uh, R- Riverboat Ron does this, though. I'm with – you're correct. Yeah. By the way, he says he's likely our starter. He played well in the last game. Yeah. But he also said that Taylor Heineke was the starter the rest of the year. He also said yeah, that, yeah, he exactly. also said so that you uh, you know B-Rob is going to be fucking Christian McCaffrey and all this crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, if you look at something like that, it's kind of like – I mean, maybe, maybe you could kind of put them in a similar bucket where like Rashad White – they both have very wide range of outcomes, right? Like they're either useless or they're like a starter. They're Correct. Really, there's not much of like a in between because like you're not starting Rashad White if he can't start like like full time because like there's just he doesn't put up enough points, right? Correct. Um, but at the same time, it's best ball. So like some of these guys, I just view them as like some guys that could potentially put up like two or three spike weeks for you, like in the season, right? Dude, a hundred percent. We we have a we have a uh, a best ball chart, by the way. Uh, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. You can see our best ball chart, which has Mike just said the term. And I know we haven't discussed this and he doesn't know about it. Spike weeks and consistency weeks are, are how we really look at best ball. So consistency weeks mean it's a top, you know, a wide receiver two, running back to quarterback top 15, which means that you're going to get into a lineup and you matter for scoring. But spike weeks to your point mean that you're going to win a week. So um, that's something you can get over in our patron, but yeah, man, that's a really good point you made about Spike Weeks. Yeah, so let's assume like him plus Elijah Moore kind of wash out with Rashad White uh, okay. for for the purposes here. So then what we're left with is basically Dak Prescott plus Bijan Robinson for Kyler Murray plus the one hundred two plus the two hundred three correct plus the three hundred five yes right yes and right now like I know everyone does not like Kyler Murray. Like everyone hates him. They both uh, what's I'm, crazy is they hate they hate Kyler and they hate Dak, right? Like simultaneously. Yeah. They hate Kyler and they hate Dak, but I think Kyler's fall from grace is probably a little bit more drastic than than Dak. So maybe there's a you'd little be, bit more. You'd be correct. Taste. I think it's close, yeah. but you're right. I think Dak has the the other thing too is Kyler's a running quarterback that has a ACL and it was in the yeah. season, so like people are fearful that he won't rush this coming up season. So I think that's where yeah. you're right. It leans Dak. Yeah, exactly. So then, but let's say like you know whatever you prefer, Kyle. You prefer Dak. They're close enough. Can you the cross them off where, though for us? I think we could. Yeah. So I think they're close enough in terms of dynasty value. I'm actually much higher on Kyler than than most people are. Uh, like I, I like Kyler. I like Lamar. Now, having said that, he had a really bad season, so this is like the dip. But if we just look at their current values right now in terms of how the market perceived them, you could probably cross them off. Even if you wanted to say, you know, Kyler and the third for Dak, whatever, you cross them off, right? Cross them off. So basically, the guy just got 1.01 for the 1.02 if you do this type of like, you know, this type of equation, uh, which so, is how I think about trades. Yeah, yeah. so so see, the way I was I'm, – I'm 100% with you, by the way. And let me just say uh, – now, how we broke it down, how you broke it down there, it would be the 101 for the 102 and the 203 and the 305, right? That's how we kind of yeah. looked at it. Yeah. And, and yeah. see, okay, 
Here, here's what I will say to our patron, I Like Fish 58. I think as a principal move, like if Sam Howell ends up being a starter or at least conceive starter for the next mm-hmm. six months, that's highly flippable yeah. because of quarterback scarcity and all this yep. shit, right? That's yep. the – I think Mike already hit on this, how like he's a tricky one because it's one, how long do you hold him? What's he going to be? Mm-hmm. And what do league mates value him as? Because you you don't know. Like there, You may be in a very sharp league where 11 people are like, dude, I'm not buying your Sam Howell in the offseason. Fuck you. Like I'm not paying mm-hmm. up for what this hype is. But you could be in a league yep. with a bunch of you know homies that are like, man, Sam Howell's the starter. And you could flip that for like a second-round pick, which I think makes this kind of convoluted. So I don't know the league setting, like how the league is um, active. But, but let me say this. I, I get in principle what you're trying to do because when I look at these assets, right, you're looking at eight assets for four in best ball. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. I get what you're trying to do, but I do think – it's interesting that Mike breaks the trades down a lot like we do. We try to cross things out and get to where the values are being won and lost. And when you do it, this is why I was on the same side as you. Like, I love what I Like Fish is doing and giving himself a lot of shots, right? Like, I talk about how much I love the second round. Like, personally, for me, like, if you told me we have to do drafts, and, I, and I'm in mock drafts almost daily, like 202, 203, and 111. The difference really is just the perceived value of the first round. Like I think the player caliber could be very close in 202 and 203 mm-hmm. and 111. So like I get what he's trying to do. My my biggest my biggest criticism and why I don't want to do what you did, I like fish, and why I want the Astora Night side, even in best ball, is I think 101 demands more value. Yeah. That's the main thing. And I don't even care if you have to take the if you kept 101 and took Bijan. I'm not even gonna get to that point. I just think that 101 in Bijan Robinson hype is only going to continue for three months. So, yeah. like, if I'm going to make this trade, it's going to be later on. Like, I think yeah. right now selling this, selling for this is where the error was made. I'm not going to say that, that what I like fish side still couldn't weigh out. Like, I mean, I'm not going to give you – I can't – I don't have a crystal ball. I can't yeah. tell you that. But I do think that with what we know – and how much Bijan's hype is. Like, let me just say this about Bijan. Bijan Robinson is a running back that is outrageously talented and has been hyped for so long. But we're also looking at a, a market in running back where people don't value running back. But he's still head and shoulders the 101 over any quarterback in this class. Like, that's how fucking valuable Bijan is and how much people value that player and that pick. So I, th- that's my biggest criticism. When you cross it all off yeah. and you look at what 101's being sold for, it's just too light. That's the biggest thing yeah. I have problem. That's the biggest issue I have too. We kind of go back to uh, what you said with uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, it's like when you buy this type of asset, people will overpay because everybody wants that asset. You're going to have three or four people in your league that are trying to like lowball you. You're going to have two or three people in your league that give you a fair value. And you're going to have two people at least in your league that are willing to overpay. So having said that, when you look at the when we cross everything off and you break it down to 101 for the 102 plus the 203 plus 305 is that enough for the 101 definitely not because right this is why i also don't like doing trades like this it's like it's there's too many pieces and you get lost in the value and you think yes. you're getting a nice package deal and you're not but if you break this trade down into the components that we said the 1.11 you could have waited until the draft or at least after the combine or after the draft is done to trade that for the 2.0 and the 2.06 at any time that trade will always exist i promise you it always exists right okay 
Because then, so, someone will value the Damian Pierce of last year. So, someone will yes, trade up for one of yes. right. Someone will see the running backs dry up, and they'll be like, fuck, I need to make a move, and I'm willing to give up two seconds to do it. And it might not be a 2.03 and a 2.06, but it might be like a 2.04 and a 2024 second or something like that. Correct. Honestly, even better. So yes. that trade always exists. There's no need to make that trade now, right? Right. And then correct. the other piece, the 1.01, like I said, Bijan's going to be a first-round startup pick, no matter what. Whatever league you're in, he's going to be that. I don't know if you guys ever remember Saquon Barkley hype, but this is basically that level, maybe even more, because Bijan's been doing it since he was a true freshman. All right, So that's the type of hype you're thinking about. Once all the ma- major media coverage starts playing his college highlights, they start playing his receiving ability, they start talking about his size, they start talking about his build, they start talking about everything that, he's, that he is, you're going to he's going to be a first-round startup pick. And the 1.02... At a maximum, in a super flex, in my opinion, it's going to be like a third round tops, like a third round startup pick tops. And you cannot trade up from the third round to the first round by just giving up a second, a third round rookie pick. So that's how I think about it. And that's why that guy got such great value is because if you just did these trades individually and you waited till the 1.01 and you were on the clock, or even if you drafted Bijan Robinson, let's say nobody trades up for you, but you draft Bijan Robinson and then training camp comes and he's fucking decking everybody. He's dodging people. He's receiving. They start talking about him like a three down, three down threat. You're going to get more than the 1.02 plus a third round pick, second round pick. So that's why I hate these types of big, big trades. Cause when you package it together, you don't extract maximum value because think about it. Like one person has limited resources. Like they can't give you their whole team, right? But if you split the trades up into three components and you're trading with three or four different people, every each of those trades, you can extract a maximum of what you can get. Whereas in this one, you're kind of given a package discount when you don't need to. So that's that's my view on this trade and why you kind of got uh, less a lot of value on the table. Dude, jeez, man. Like, here's the thing. I know Mike is not doing content anymore. We brought him out of retirement. But I am, I, I'm almost, I'm disappointed that Mike, our, our, our Mike, is not here because he would be down in the lower screen, just like glowing, smiling. Because Mike just talked about startup values. And this is one of the biggest things we preach, Mike, is startup values. And when you're really struggling, trying to equate, and this is one of the things I've preached for a while, one of the biggest things and edges that can be played up is people don't understand what a player is, what that looks like in a rookie pick value, and what that rookie pick value looks like in a startup value. If you kind of think of assets as those three things and kind of get, you know, 101, Bijan Robinson, 111, let's say, you know, in theory, if you, if you can equate that, I think that's where you have such an edge to play up trades like this where there's, a, there's multiple picks moving around multiple pieces. So I, I, I'm like on the side of like, I want to be the person that, you know, plays this up. But if you don't understand it, this is where you can get lost. I, I'll say this, the, la- the last thing, because I agree with everything Mike said, the last thing I will say is this, on the rebuild side, the one, the one out I'll give I like fish, if, you, if you're in a league where you know this, this market and this economy exists, where essentially your plan is for 202, 203, and 206, I think people that are wanting to win now will trade me 24 first for those picks. Like that's the only scenario I think where this makes sense. Otherwise, like there's just no way. Cause I think, I think you sold light. I think you sold light on the one-on-one. That's just, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I, once again, yeah, you should get a first, you should get a first, the, 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 the trade to move from 1.02 to 1.01 should be a future first, at least if not more. 
Uh, and people have a hard time digesting that because they're like, oh, I'm only moving up one spot, right? But like I said, when you break it down to the startup value, you're moving from the third round of the startup to the first round of a startup. And usually that requires more than a first. So at, at minimum. Of so, first. yeah, no one's doing it yeah. for a future second. It's just not it doesn't exist. Yeah. So um, I like fish once again. Um, this maybe works out for you long term. I just think process wise, it's not the right play. Last trade we got here, Mike. This is it. This is our last trade of the day. Um, that was mm -hmm. a big convoluted one, which took longer. Anyway, so we got B Hall getting Justin Herbert, the 308, and Jimmy G. Um, mm -hmm. He is sending away some premium picks 102, 103, 107. This is 12 team start 11 Superflex lineup. Mike, what do you think? Uh, Herbert Herbert is a, a guy that I think is trending down, but still possesses crazy upside. Yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, I don't think. Could you have done this at the beginning of last season? God, no. maybe, maybe, God, God, um, no. maybe, I'm going to tell you, not. maybe, yeah, mo maybe, but I shouldn't say God, no, I, I don't think so. And the reason I'll say that is because in startup terms, Patrick Mahomes, it's almost like this year, Patrick Mahomes was like, all you fantasy gamers need to realize who I am. Y'all had me at 103 yeah. and ADP behind Allen, behind, yeah. behind Herbert was going ahead of Mahomes in startups, man. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So like now you're kind of like getting him on on the low end which is still like three first and two of them are are super early i would say like this is probably again it kind of goes back to what this guy's teams look what this guy's team looks like what his um what his future outlook is like if he has no no quarterbacks and this is his like desperation move to kind of land like that are uh, that cornerstone piece mm -hmm. like justin herbert will recover you know it might not be this year maybe it is this year you don't know but like over his career like justin herbert we know we have seen enough data points to know that he is a very, very elite asset. Correct. But it is also very challenging to to win this trade on a value basis. You're all you're almost always going to lose the trade on a value basis like this because there's no more room for him to go. Like he's he's already at the top. Like he's proven it. He, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's no more value accrual for Justin Herbert. You're not going to accrue value for the 3.08. There's you're probably not going to accrue much value for for Jimmy G. Everyone freaking hates him. Like you, you can't trade Jimmy G to save your life. So <laughs> no. Um, but you could hit big on the 102. You could hit big on 103. You could hit big on the 107. Or you could like I, I couldn't imagine this happening. But like maybe in some league out there, someone decides to get cute and doesn't take Bijan Robinson like 1.01. Then right. you just like automatically win the trade. Obviously. Right. But you know there could be a there could be that um, that case where you know, you, you draft like a Yamir Gibbs and and you draft like a Bryce Young or, or whatever your favorite quarterback is, and they turn out to be like superstars and you win the trade, right? So there's that upside. So I'd say like this is like a pretty even scale. Like Wheel Smith probably got the best value that he could get uh, for a player like Justin Herbert, and B. Hall had to pay uh, as much as he did to get him. And it just kind of comes down to what their team looks like after this. If B Hall's team after this is 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 he starting Justin Herbert and like Jimmy Garoppolo? Not a big fan. But you know, if he's starting Justin Herbert and like you know a Joe Burrow, a Jalen Justin Hurts, Field, you know, Jalen Hurts, something Justin like Field, that, right? Patrick Mahomes, like another good quarterback, and he's got some. And Jimmy G's like his you know his safety blanket backup that he hopefully never has to rely on. Then then I can see it like quarterback market is just, it's like a game, you know, it's, it's super hot. Right. And when you want to acquire that, this type of asset, we said it before, like you just have to overpay. There's really no, no way around it. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think 
I think that's the biggest thing, right? So now that we are starting 11, which like a difference in start nine and start 11 isn't like massive, but yeah, when you huge. think about it, it like you got to think about like, so you got start nine, there's only seven players that can catch the quarterbacks where now all of a sudden you have nine that can catch the quarterback. So depth does matter in start 11, a little more than start nine, but he, he, here's what I'll say for wheel Smith. Um, and this is something that Mike and I talk about. We've played up before. And I know you've talked about too. And I think what gets convoluted is how you play up. Like if I look at the wheel Smith side, Reality is like to your point. If somehow Bijan's at one hundred and two, and someone takes at one hundred and one the, the top quarterback, like you're loving life. You get Bijan, you get the second quarterback, and then at one hundred and seven becomes best player available. Like I don't it, even in start eleven though. I don't know if that equates to Herbert, but now you have so many different pieces to trade away that I get it from the rebuild yep. side. Now here's the thing. Let, let's assume that the scenario of Bijan goes one hundred and one, which is going to happen in most twelve team leagues. Yep. What I do like about 102 and 103 and 107 is this. One, 102 and 103 now gives you the, the ability to forget what happens in the next three months. We're going to have landing spots. We're going to have – this is assuming you don't even trade the picks. But you have quarterback yep. leverage here, right? So now all of a sudden you don't have Herbert, but you got the top two quarterbacks in this class. And then the crazy part about yep. 107 is 107 is this like – it's it's intriguing enough of a pick for me because of this, uh, Mike. 102 and 103 is likely a quarterback. I think even if they aren't, like you have basically four quarterbacks going to go in the first round. That gives you a 101 with Bijan plus those four quarterbacks, 105. Then you have the, the receivers that are good enough in this class. You got JSN, you got Quentin Johnson, you got um, you know Jordan Addison. So all of a sudden, 107, what's intriguing about this pick to me is it could become the, the first round top 15 quarterback that people just don't want to draft, or it could become – because quarterback thirst is enough, it's the first or second wide receiver off the board. So if I look at this and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to play up the quarterback court, I'm going to go 102, 103 quarterback, and then I'm all of a sudden 107 could become an, a quarterback or the top receiver off the board, there's a significant amount of, of risk because not one of those people could become Justin Herbert. But you also have mm-hmm. teams that may say, well, shit, man, I need a quarterback bad. I want 102 on the clock you may have teams that say I want 103 because I need quarterback bad you could still flip it around for a lot of things you could take the quarterbacks hoard them trade them away for more um I think the biggest thing you taught me that I listened to about the quarterback court is like it works in the top 15 ish like and and these picks probably will be top 15 ish quarterbacks what you don't want to do is start quarterback hoarding at Matt Ryan at you know these aging assets that no one's going to value so I guess I I see Mm -hmm. the wheel Smith side I'll say this though: if you have the picks and you've, you know, roster constructed appropriately, does it feel a little heavy? Three firsts for Herbert, two of which are early. Yeah, but if you have enough depth and Jimmy G is just a spot start by weeks when he's whatever he's got the chance to be the starter wherever he lands, and three hundred eight's you know a piece you just move around fine. If you <clears> if you <throat> need to do this to go get Herbert, I'm good with it. But I I do think it's. It's a little heavy, but I, I think if you if a roster constructed appropriately, it, it, it it's not the worst thing in the world to go get Herbert personally. Yeah, here's how Will Smith like uh, really wins, and I did this a lot when back in back in my day when I was like really really heavy. I still do it, but it, it, like what I found in my time of doing like hundreds and hundreds of trades and, and everything is if you can hold four four to five first round picks in any draft class. 
you can dominate the draft and like extract maximum value from every single other player. So three, you can probably do it too if you have a lot of seconds, but what you can turn this into is probably what's more appealing on the upside. And that's what I mean when I say upside. It's like Justin Herbert has no more upside because he's capped. He's already at the top, right? There's no Correct. more value for him to go. Correct. But if let's say Will Smith doesn't need quarterbacks, or let's say he's so far off from his rebuild that he's not going to go home run swinging on these quarterbacks, you can just hold 102, 103 hostage and trade back. You can trade from 102 back Correct. to a mid first, get a future first, right? Or you can trade from 102. Uh, back to uh, middle first, get a future first, and maybe give a, one of your seconds. So let's say you have two to three second round picks. If you go into a draft with three first round picks, two to three second round picks, that is probably also enough for you to control the draft, control the flow of the draft, and get all the players that you want within your tiers without losing out on tier breaks and extracting value. Because I could, if you gave me these three first and like two or three seconds, I would probably leave that draft with, I might have, I might pick like one or two players. Uh, in the first, and I would have left that draft with another 2024 first and at least another 2025 first. So at that point, yes, the yes. three first becomes five first, and then it becomes an overwhelming win uh, for Will Smith. So that's really how he wins. So I don't know how good of a trader he is, how active he is in the draft, but if you just go into the draft and pick three players, this trade is very, very even. Uh, slight overpay on uh, on B Hall side to get Justin Herbert, but if Will Smith is like a slick trader and you implement like um, I, I mean, I wrote a bunch of strategy guys back in the day about like trading draft and the trading back in the draft class, and it probably still applies till this day. But if you kind of implement a lot of those policies, you could leave this draft class with the value of five first plus very easily, very, very easily. Easily. And I think the other thing that's a uh, great point to that last thing I'll say is that um, on this trade, at least 102 and 103 are quarterbacks, which are it's either quarterback range or high end receiver. Um, Gibbs, if he ends up checking, whatever. You don't even have to care what your league mates value. If they want to trade into this and you're in full rebuild and you've already got 24 picks. Like, I think what could happen here is if you can trade out, if you're, if you're in a league that's very active in trading and people value the picks, especially before or on the clock, this could end up being 102 you trade out for two 24s. 23 you trade mm -hmm. out for a 24 and a 25. Now all of a sudden you have mm -hmm. like four or five shots in 24 and you have two shots in 25. Here's what's really interesting about that. 23 we don't love the quarterback class like there, there's a reality one of them could fire and absolutely matter like we didn't love justin herbert either. we didn't love josh allen right so it, it could happen but if you have five picks in 24 four picks in 24 one or two of which are early if you have a chance to get caleb williams you have a chance to get quarterback assets that are very high in that class that's how you one build up a plethora of picks and then two you could end up with someone that like like we we're talking about Bijan is so valuable. Like Caleb Williams, if everything continues to be the same thing, 365 days from now, is going to have outrageous hype. And that's where if you have a shot to get him or you end up having that pick, you could play out of this to so much more value than just Herbert. To your point, like Herbert can't go up in value. Herbert's basically you're kind of sinking into like I just want an elite quarterback in this format. But what's he going to go up in value? I mean, we've already seen him at 102. He's at 105 like in dynasty value. Like he can't gain more value. Um, it's a cornerstone piece, but but I, I'm with you. I, I'd probably take Herbert here because I know what I would do with my team and how it would be constructed. But if you also are telling me, like, my team doesn't have enough value and I'm going to take these picks, I think I could trade them into a lot of different things. So I see it from both sides. Yeah. I'd lean B. Hall, but I, I really do think that 
if you're a savvy trader, you can make 102, 103, 107, something special too. Yeah, this is how you kind of start the Iron Bank. You know, you get you make a trade like this, you dominate a single draft class, and you either go that domination leads you to becoming an instantaneous contender, or you compound those returns and then you get five, five first in the future year. And then when the next year comes, you can if you're ready, you go all in. And if you're not, you take those three first and you turn into four or five more. And like it keeps rotating and you keep pushing value back and you keep accruing value. And eventually, like you win. Like Dynasty, you know, people People talk about like, oh, I just want to get my guy and win and I just want to win and whatever. Like that's true. But like all of my best teams, I've just accrued value over two to three years. And at some point, I'm just like so far ahead of the rest of the league in terms of my value that my teams are so good that they have the best chances of winning. And even even then, you're not guaranteed to win because it's it's a very high variance game. And any week, anything can happen, of course. But you're just trying to give yourself the best odds. And like if I look at all of my most dominant teams, that's how they were built. I accrued a shitload of value from like years one to three. And then like people just had no chance to catch up because I just kept trading and I kept getting more picks. And every year I'm showing up with like two, three first and my team is already the best in the league. So it's like, how do people contend against that? You know, most of the time they can't. Uh, and like sometimes, sometimes you do too well in the league folds, which is not ideal. But if you play with people that are willing to stick it out, like that's how you build true dynasties. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a hundred percent the reality. I think too, um, what you saw me do in the in the beginning, right? That's kind of to Mike's point. Like if you if you dynasty appropriately and you apply the principles we talk about here, if you've listened to Mike in the past, if you you know tune in, like it's funny, uh, Mike. I don't know if you know this. La- last episode we had uh, DF Bean Counter, your buddy Drew was on the show. Um, if you apply the principles that are being talked about with you know dynasty values, trading back, getting value, like I basically when I traded up for Mahomes and spent all that. I had already been watching Mike for years. I had basically stockpiled so many first round picks so you can continue to play that up. And then eventually, if you decide, you know what, I have so much picks, but I want to make sure I get this one piece. Now you can afford to overpay and force a manager to give you whatever asset you want to. Like there's so many different ways to play it. Um, but but honestly, like I think I think what you're what you're talking about here is something that we try to preach a lot. And that's trying to find edges, trying to find ways to pick up value uh, over time for your team. And then when you have more dynasty value than other teams do, and if you do it in the right timing, for, for example, that mix and trade, if you want to go get mix and you can do that later on when you have all the, the iron bank, you don't want to do that in February. So I guess like, that, that that's another trade. A lot of these trades I think should be applicable for you. Uh, last point I'll make, if you do want your trades featured on this show, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon, a dollar a month gets you in the door. Um, you can put your trades on there. We'll feature them on the show, um, break them down, talk about them. We might get a guy like Mike Lou on here to give you some, you know, OG and some wisdom on the trades. But Mike, man, we really appreciate you hopping on. Thanks for giving us the time, uh, breaking down the trades. A- any final thoughts or things you wanted to say before you get up out of here? No, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It's good to talk a little bit of football again. I haven't done it in, you know, I think maybe well over a year now. Um, happy that you guys are having success for your show and you guys are growing. And, uh, uh, yeah, keep up the strategy content, man. I feel like I've always felt like that was a very underserved part of the market, which is why that's, like, what I focused on. Like, my my, my true belief is that if you people spend 80%, 90% of the time on strategy and 10% on player analysis, you become an infinitely better player. Uh, whereas in reality, I think most people spend like 80% of time on player analysis and like 
10 to 20% on strategy. So truly, like if that's how you, if you want to win, if you want to play winning dynasty now, if you want to have fun with your your boys and do whatever, you know, it doesn't apply to you. But if you want to win dynasty over the long term, like focusing on strategy and like market analysis and valuations and how to accrue value to a portfolio, which is really how you should think about um, the dynasty game. That's how you win. And I've, I've like always won. Like I've, I've never lost in, in a season for dynasty because that's like, was my personal philosophy. Like, you know, sometimes I had lower returns in other years, but like, I don't think I've ever crossed below 50% ROI on my money in on fantasy. And I think it's because there's like a huge, huge gap that's not filled there and people are getting smarter. You know, people like you are making content and hopefully more people like you continue to kind of build that type of content. But, uh, but yeah, focusing on strategy is like the true unsung hero of winning dynasty fantasy football. Yeah. A thousand percent. And, and you know, what's, uh, even for someone like myself, uh, Mike, I'm sure at times, although I'm, I mean, this is, this is, this is literally for me, one of the goats, like one of the ones that I, I started watching why I'm doing content now. But when I look at the, the moves I made last year where I failed, a lot of times it was, I'm trying to make player analysis. I believe in this guy. And the reality was I broke my process, right? And if you don't break your process over and over for a specific player, that's not a Patrick Mahomes guaranteed 10 years in the league. Like when I, I mean, when I, when I broke my process for Cam Akers, like, okay, maybe Cam Akers smashes next year, but I lost whatever I traded for Cam Akers last year. Like there, there's, there's player analysis that is important. And I'm not saying it's not a, a piece that matters, but overall, if you make, mostly process moves and you listen to the show, you listen to other people's shows and strategies at the big part, you can make up for player analysis misses. Like that's the beauty of, of the way we, we dynasty and the way that uh, Mike's given us um, a lot of principles. So I appreciate you hopping on, man. Um, once again, everybody, we appreciate you tapping in. If you could go down, hit the subscribe. If you're new to the channel, if you're not, go ahead, leave a like, leave a comment, let us know how you feel about the show. Um, so we appreciate everybody. I uh, hope you have a great weekend. And we will see you back here same time, same place, same place next week for the Dynasty Trade Show. We're out of this thing. Peace.